Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. What's Wagner's rule of life number four? <laughs> Nothing good happens outside a strip club at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, I understand I might be like a dog with a bone on this, but this is just fundamentally wrong. It is an insult, but let's tee this up. The Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. I'm sorry, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Eric Bilstead, want to know what my latest homeowner toy was for the weekend? Uh-oh. Okay, no, no, uh-oh. Well, yeah, actually, th- this was courtesy of my lovely wife, Fran, and my brother-in-law, Ken. You see, have you seen these things advertised, this thing called Ring, R-I-N-G? Oh, yeah, like, it's like sh- a security thing. Yeah. Right? Internet. Okay, so what What you do, all right, like my, my sister-in-law, Ruthie, and her husband, Kenny, they, they had it at their house, and my wife saw it, and she thought this was really, really cool, yeah. so I just kind of, like, walked by this. But what it is, is we, we have one, you, you essentially, you... You attach this where your doorbell is, like in the front thing, mm-hmm, yep. and it's a camera. And so when somebody comes up to your door, it's got a motion sensor on it, and it notifies you that there's there's motion at your door. Yeah, you'll get like a, your phone alert. Right, your phone gets an alert, yeah. and it's got a camera. So you then you can see who's at the door. And so we, we, have, we put one up on the front and then one by, up on our back porch. And I've been playing with it all weekend because it, and it, it has this like chime that's kind of like a waterfall sounding thing. It's very very new age, you know. The, so you know, like so like yesterday we were at uh, we were at church as a matter of fact, and the thing kind of goes off, and you you're trying to subtly sort of look at it, but there <laughs> yeah. there was like a package delivery thing, okay. and you could see it. I mean, some guy came up. You don't have to ring the doorbell. It, it goes off when somebody yep. comes up to the door. Now the only problem is that right now. I think it's set too broadly, so it's not just picking up motion that's at immediately on the front porch, ah, but it's like, like dog walkers, right? Right, <laughs> or, or or like you know, we have wild turkeys. Our, sure. our place is like a wildlife preserve, so like stuff walks by in the middle of the front yard, and it picks that up as well. <laughs> but it is kind of cool. Okay, you have motion, you kind of click on it, and it shows you a video. And so it's actually yeah, right. it's it's a it's a. It's kind of a cool thing. I, I'm not sure the novelty might wear off on me, but my wife was happier with all this, so that's that is the important thing. But it's kind of a new play toy. So I mean, right now I could just access the phone and I could I could see what my back uh, my back porch yeah, looks like. We have something like that and it has a geofencing. So once I'm driving close, or if my wife isn't home, if it knows I'm close, it might turn on warm up the thermostat if it's cold outside. Oh, oh yeah, see that's the next step, oh, like yeah. that nest sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the next step. So you can kind of like really adjust the things. I'm we, we will. Probably Probably do that at some point in time, but I'm not an early adopter, and I, I can only take so much technology at any given time. <laughs> so anyhow, and the other cool thing about this thing is you can talk back to people. I mean, that's the cool. I mean, there, there's a microphone on it, so like I could be sitting here, something could go off. I could like click, click on the camera, see somebody on the front doorstep, and I could yell at them through this. Yeah, get should, away from that mailbox or, or whatever. Scare the UPS guy, right? <laughs> yeah, you can you can do. I think it'll be great on Halloween. That's what I'm actually looking forward to <laughs> Halloween. But you can talk back. It's technology. Technology is a tremendous thing. All right, let's get started. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The good news is the Milwaukee Brewers who have a brutal 
brutal first month of the season. They play the St. Louis Cardinals. They play the Chicago Cubs. They're on the road now to play the California Angels and the Los Angeles Dodgers. They play ultimately, I think, 10 games against the Cardinals before the month is over, and they are off to an absolutely tremendous start. They're 8-2, and two, tied for the best record in baseball, and they're playing all sorts of good ball. This weekend, they take two of three games at home, at Miller Park from the Chicago Cubs. Cubs, on the other hand, are are struggling with one of the worst records in baseball. They're off to a horrible start, and it, it was a good three-game series. As almost always happens, Miller Park became Wrigley Park North for the good part of, of three games. And I have been getting calls all weekend. I, I have a partial season tickets package to the Cubs, to the uh, Brewers, I, and it, it's week it's weeknights, so I I don't didn't have any tickets this weekend, so I didn't go, which is just as well because I will tell you I hate going to the games when the Cubs are in town. Number one, I mean, it, and it's not that I I mind the Cubs fans coming up and spending money. That's not the issue at all. But what happens is, and I go to a lot of baseball games. There's a lot of teams whose fans travel well. For example, St. Louis. St. Louis fans travel well. The difference is, based on my experience, St. Louis fans tend to be knowledgeable, fun people. And, yeah, they they root for their team, but they're not jerks. As a general rule, and I, I, I know we're speaking in generalities, on an individual basis, a particular Chicago Cubs fan or family might be the nicest people in the world. Collectively, when you get thousands of Cubs fans together, at Miller Park, you throw in a whole bunch of cheap beer in the parking lots and expensive beer in Miller Park. I think you get some of the largest collections of, what words am I going to use, buttheads ever assembled. And I sent out a tweet, if you follow me, it's at Jeff Wagner 620, showing at least one of the videos of one of the big fights that broke out over the weekend. There's other videos that are circulating about fights that broke out in the upper decks. I know three people, three separate people, who were at the game on Saturday night. That was a game the Cubs won, and it did get kind of out of control um, by the middle of the game. Brewers pitching gave up a lot of runs, and and all three of the people said they had to get out of there because, number one, they had concerns about safety, and number two, they had just had enough about being around drunken, obnoxious people, and they were referring to the Cubs fans who had come up from um, the South. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I appreciate the, the fact that, you know, it's fun to go and root for your teams and things like that. But you look at these videos of what was going on and what happened this weekend is not unique. I don't know how many arrests ultimately ended up being made, but my guess is you could have made a ton more arrests with the Cubs fans in town. And I guess I think we have to take an example of what happened this weekend. And before the Cubs come back again, I don't know if it's a commitment by the new police chief or the new sheriff or the governor calling out the National Guard, but there needs to be, there needs to be, I think, a much larger police presence. And if you were at the games over the weekend, I would be curious to know your reaction, because like I say, I'm hearing from people who just couldn't take it anymore and left. 414-799-1620, we discuss in just a moment. Gru is lining up the calls. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 
Let's start out with a couple texts. Yeah, five years ago, I almost got into a fight provoked by a Cubs fan. My wife told me to relax. Then she went to the restroom, came out upset, said she almost got into a fight with the Cubs fans. We will never go to a Cubs game again. Horrible, horrible fans. Jeff, I'm a Brewers fan, but I refuse to go to games versus the Cubs. It brings out every drunk moron, and all it is is problems. I watch it on TV from my house. And again, you know, it it might be you, you have the drunken moronic Brewers fans as well, who are responding. Uh, Let's see, Jeff, I was at the Brewers game on Saturday, or should I say the Cubs game. I will never go to another rival game against the Cubs. The fans are so rude and disrespectful. Then the fights bust out. Come on. 414-799-1620. I went to a spring. This is another one. This is from Donna. Went to a spring training game. Saw the game between the Brewers and the Cubs at the Cubs field. Sat in the outfield lawn. The Cubs fans were nasty in Arizona as well. Let's talk to Tom on the north side. Tom, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you, sir. What do you think? Hey, real, real quickly, uh, I do agree with you wholeheartedly about the Cardinal fans. The Cardinals are really great fans at uh, at, at Miller Park. Um, it, it was a great experience, but going to the Cubs, I, I was at the game Friday, and that's, the Brewer fans are not as bad, but they're, they, start, they start issues, too. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it works both ways, but... I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I saw plenty of Brewer fans heckling the Cub fans that that kind of instigated it, at least from where I was sitting. You know, and it never happens. I mean, it never happens with other teams. And and look, and I'm sure it, it takes two to tango. There, there's no question about it. Although well, the, the Cardinals, you're right about the Cardinals, though. They are really respectful when they come, and it's. It's a, it's a pleasant experience when the Cardinals come to town. Well, right. Really and, right. No, thanks. I mean, we played the Cardinals on opening day, and, and they travel extremely well. But, you know, you, you don't see the drunken louts, and, and every third word isn't the F word. And you, you just don't see these stories of, of the fights and the people being hauled off. And I guess, you know, one of the, the open questions is, given at least what I'm getting being told anecdotally is I don't know how many arrests they made, but I don't know why they didn't make more. And if you look at some of the videos that are circulating from some of these fights that were breaking out, the one thing you don't see is is you don't see a security presence. Now, I know that they have security folks there. I know they have law enforcement people there. All I am saying is moving forward, you know, in anticipation of when the Cubs fans come back, and I don't know if there's more weekend series. I suspect weekend series are worse than – uh, situations where you're, you know, again, you're on a Tuesday night or something like that. But, you know, for weekend series for the Cubs, you need to have a massive security presence. There's just no question in my mind. Bob in Oconomowoc. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. I, they need to have more presence there. Yesterday we were at the game, and my wife and I, and there were uh, <clears throat> four Cubs fans and also many more Cubs fans. And this about the second inning where the Brewer fans came in and the cup fans happened to be sitting in their seat so they said to them hey you're in the wrong section you should go one over well the next thing you know is there's all kinds of foul language and everything going on with the uh Cubs fans telling the Brewer fans, well, why don't you go over there <laughs> okay sit in your seat because <laughs> yeah, there, there yeah, are seats exactly. yeah all right you know someone had to finally go up and get security to come down to get this to break up, it was ridiculous. You couldn't watch the game or anything. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, that's I guess that is one of the questions. And look, and I and look, part of it is I I understand that the ushers they have at Miller Park they're they're designed to help seats, they're to get people in seats. You know, they're they're not supposed to be there like breaking up fights. But when you know this is going to happen, when you know that whether Brewers fans egg them on or whether Chicago fans are just a lot of bunch of drunken bad apples, you, you know you have to be able to deal with this and stop this stuff before it breaks out. I mean, some of these videos that are out there, Bob, these are knockdown drag out fights the one i tweeted out you've got cotton candy things flying all over you got people throwing punches i mean it's i mean it, it looks like outside bar time you know at two o'clock in the morning in a rough neighborhood it's ridiculous they need to they need to get better control or you know it, it, i don't know i don't know how you can you know, other than get more police presence inside there because you know, the, I guess they have a right to buy tickets as well as we do. Oh, right. There's right. I mean, th- thanks for call. It's just I, I am saying you don't notice this. You don't notice this like you do when, you know, other teams come up and and travel. I mean, that's all I'm all I'm saying is that you don't see these fights that are breaking out. Um, I have a note here from a guy who says, I'm a Milwaukee police. All right, Jeff, I'm a Milwaukee police officer. I love working Brewers games because I love the overtime. I refuse to sign up for any Cubs games, though, because their fans are out of control. And that's the perspective from one of the cops. I don't want to go down there because I don't want to have to deal with this. Paul on the North Shore. Paul, you're on WTMJ. Thanks for taking the call, Jeff. Hi, Paul. Uh, my wife and I went on Saturday with a group of friends, had a great time, tailgated, got in the stadium, had an absolute blast, watched some of the basketball game on TV by the bar and the baseball game. Right. So we said, hey, on Sunday, let's, let's take the kids, three young kids. We went yesterday. It was an absolute freak show. We saw three people get arrested, a handful of more Brewer fans. One lady ran out onto the field uh, after the game when the kids can run the bases. And they had to tackle her. It took three security to tackle her. Uh, I mean, there's numerous instances in the seats of swearing and foul language. And this is on a Sunday. So yeah. In I, the I, afternoon, I right. Yeah, right. So whether it's weekend series or midweek series, I don't think that would change it. Um, but I, I certainly am not going to be taking the kids back to any. Cub series, it probably won't go myself. Well, well, right, and, and that's, I mean, and it, like I say, it is something, if, if people want to blame, and I'm getting texts saying, well, the Brewers fans are to blame as well, and I, I'll, I'll accept that, but it's just there's something about this, because, I mean, like I say, I, I, go to, I go to all sorts of games, a lot of times it's on weeknights, but occasionally weekends, you, you don't see this. I'm not saying you never have somebody that's using an F word, or I'm not saying you never have somebody that's drunk and obnoxious, and I'm not saying there's never a situation where there's a fight, but, you know, when the Cubs come to town, you know that this is what's going to be going on in the stands. And I guess some point in time, whether it's Brewers fans or Cubs fans, I don't know about you, know about you, Paul, but I'm saying let, let's let's make arrests. Let's clear this out. If you're going to come up and be a drunken lout, boom, you know, spend some time in jail. Yeah, no, thanks for call. That's, I, I guess, you know, that's, that's part of, of the issue that, that goes on. And I don't notice that when other teams come to town. Let's talk to, let's see, Joe in Kenosha. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how you doing? Real well, thank you. What do you think? Well, I was at the game yesterday, and yeah, you know, it's, it's alcohol driven, but, and, um, uh... You know, you got guys coming 90 miles north, and they've got these tour buses. You know, they've got tailgate going on, and it's a big party to go up to Wisconsin and drink. 
And, and that's what's fueling it all. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, they should start the Cub Brewer games up there at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> just that, that that's right so if you're if you're going to be stone drunk you're gonna you're gonna have to start at like five o'clock yeah. in the morning to get that way huh yeah and i challenge all our good brewer fans to go down to chicago when the uh, cubs play uh the brewers down there i mean you know it's, yeah. I'm not saying drink like a fish and go down there, but just go down there and support the team. Well, yeah, I mean, now at the end of last year, I mean, I think you did have a, a huge presence there. But, I mean, you know, it, it is alcohol-fueled. Look, I, I understand the other overriding issue here, and I've got a text that makes that point. It's time we start making the season ticket holders accountable for any trouble that happens when they sell their seats to unruly fans, possibly maybe losing their season tickets for the year. I mean, see, that you know, that's what they do in Green Bay. If if you've got your Packers season ticket and you sell or you give that ticket away to somebody else and they end up, you know, misbehaving and getting arrested, you could end up losing your rights to have the season tickets. That And so does that stop the unruliness that happens sometimes during Packers-Bears games? No, it doesn't. But it, it provides a little bit of control on that. Tony in Brookfield. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Actually, more of what I saw Friday night was Cubs on Cubs fans. Yeah, actually, well, actually, the fight I tweeted out blows me away. Yeah, the 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 tweet I sent out with a video of one of the fights that looks like to me it's Cubs on Cubs fans. You know, because because there's punches flying and it looks like guys are wearing like Cubs paraphernalia. So they're they just came up here to stage a Fight Club night on a Friday night at Miller Park. I I, I heard a guy tell another guy, hey, hey, why don't you just quiet down you're kind of in their ballpark you know and uh do went right after him so comes on comes violence i suppose uh, right i know thank i mean i i again the, if you follow me on twitter it's at jeff wagner 620 the video i sent out it, it's a it's a major league brawl that is going on i mean there's there's cotton candy dispensers being knocked over but it, it it does it looks to me like it's cubs versus cubs fans i can't tell that for sure but it looks like they've just come up here to punch themselves you know, to have a punch up here the other video that's going around the fight in the upper deck i think it was saturday night where there, there's kids that are being pushed down a few rows that's brewers and cubs fans you, you can see that that's going on bottom line is they got to get control of this and, and if again that means a huge police presence that's fine now this is my musical tribute though to all the cubs fans who came up here who might be going back to chicago well a little bit a little bit lighter in the wallet Sitting here waiting in the Tillamook County Jail And I'm still hoping that she's not so mad now That she doesn't even pay my bail We're coming down on vacation, gonna leave on probation Have to send all my money through the mail I'm gonna send all my money through the Tillamook County Jail Yes, I'm gonna send all my money to the Tillamook County Jail Hey, I'm going to send all my money to the Tillamook County Jail. So for all you Cubs fans who came up here on vacation and are going home on probation, well, have a nice trip. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Uh, the Cubs do not return to Miller Park till the end of July, July 26th, 27th, and 28th, which are a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. My only advice for everybody would be 
I, you know, you need to have a massive police presence. And I don't say that about, I go to lots of games at Miller Park. Every, like I say, every once in a while, you'll have kind of the drunken loud mouth. But in general, I, it's something different with the Cubs. Now, maybe it's because so many of the fans come up here, and I'm not excusing Brewers fans, but you don't see stuff on a regular basis at Miller Park like you see and you've seen over the weekend. And before they come back again, there, there needs to be a commitment from law enforcement in this community to say, okay, we're going to have this huge police presence. And when these fights break out, we're going to haul people away. Just a couple more texts. Jeff, I'm a Dodgers fan, but I've been to the Cubs-Brewers games. The Cubs fans are by far the worst fans ever. Um, Jeff, I was at the game, saw police arrest four different people in two different areas. Here's Troy and Tosa. Jeff, the one fight that you tweeted out that looks like it's Cubs versus Cubs. Actually, it was a Cub fan who lives in Milwaukee taking up for a Brewers fan that was being assaulted by Cubs fans. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Jeff, I go to over 20 Brewers games a year, already been to three. I did go to the Cubs game Saturday night. There was swearing, throwing beer, and fights near me. That was it. I will not go to any more Cubs games. I am scared of the people. I've been in the middle of too many fights, got pushed down the stairs, leaving the game due to a fight last year. No more. Yeah, so that's just kind of a lesson. Brewers are drawing incredible. I mean, they are on pace to come to, they're on pace to get to 3 million fans. I mean, it's a wonderful experience. The team is going great. I am a huge fan, and it's worth going out to the games. But the bottom line is there's something that happens when the Cubs come to town, and before they come back in July, like I say, if it means having the National Guard called out, call out the National Guard tongue-in-cheek. Hey, before we leave the subject of baseball, I, I do want to follow up on something we talked about, first of all, Tuesday and then on Friday's show. Uh, Tuesday, we discussed the fact that it appeared that the July 3rd lakefront fireworks were going to disappear. They were going to go the way of the Great Circus Parade, and they were going to go the way of the Greater Milwaukee Open, and so many other things that have been institutions in southeastern Wisconsin for years, but just kind of ran their course. I think everybody knows the story by now. U.S. Bank, which used to be First Wisconsin and First Star, U.S. Bank uh, corporate headquarters are now in Minneapolis. They underwrote the lakefront fireworks for years and years and years. And U.S. Bank made the announcement last year that they were done. And I, I, I don't fault them. First of all, I would thank you for U.S. Bank for doing it for so many years. But as I've said before, this is what happens when corporations move their corporate headquarters and the people that run the corporations are no, no longer local. It goes from, hey, I'm part of the community. I go down to the lakefront or I go up to my offices in the top of the U.S. Bank building and watch them and we have parties to, hey, I'm sitting in Minneapolis and, yeah, we do promotional events all across the country. Uh, but the Milwaukee fireworks aren't any different than supporting a walk run in Cincinnati or something in Omaha. It, it's just it's different. So U.S. Bank announced that they were pulling the plug. Uh, the county had originally said for this to go on, there needed to be somebody that stepped up by April 1st, which was last Monday. Nobody did, which is why we talked about it on Tuesday. And then you had the breaking news on Friday that – um, that there were going to be fireworks this year. And, and there's a couple heroes on this. Um, what One of the, the big heroes is Milwaukee businessman and philanthropist Ted Kellner, who's 
um, behind the scenes of a lot of good stuff going on. And I need to I need to do my disclosures here. Ted Kellner and his family are very good friends with my wife, and I, I know them, but I they're very good friends with my wife. But the family just it, it's a wonderful group of people behind a lot of stuff. And apparently, the story is that that Ted Kellner um, kind of heard about this. And thought, you know, th- this this is a tradition that we don't want to go away. The story in the Journal Sentinel says is he heard talk radio hosts talking about the possible end of the fireworks. By the way, Ted Kellner, his his management group is also one of the investors that owns a, a portion of this of this radio station. So there's my disclosures there. But he apparently heard people talking about it. I don't know which shows he was listening to. We certainly did it here, and then started to to put people together. And he apparently reached out and contacted American Family Insurance which is going to be the new sponsor. It's going to be, you know, Miller Park. Year after next is not going to be Miller Park anymore. It's going to be sponsored by American Family Insurance. By the way, um, Miller Park, the, the departure of Miller Brewing pulling its sponsorship is, again, another one of these lessons with what happens when corporate headquarters move out of a particular town. But American Family, which is a Madison-based insurance company, stepping up in a big way. And so, of course, the announcement is the 3rd of July fireworks is going to be going on this year. The brewers are stepping up. Thanks to Mark Atanasio and the Brewers, American Family Insurance, and uh, Mr. Kellner's holding company, T&M Partners, are stepping forward to fund the fireworks show. My understanding is right now it's a one-year deal for, for this year, but hopefully it will be a huge success, and, and hopefully that will continue into the future. Because like I say, sometimes there are institutions, there are events that sort of run their course, and it, it's... You hate to see them go, but you understand, you know, everything, you know, sometimes runs its course. I don't think we're anywhere close to that with the fireworks. So congratulations and, and thank you to individuals, the Brewers, American Family, Ted Kellner and his management company, all for stepping up so we can enjoy the fireworks. And hopefully they'll be able to put together some sort of long-term arrangement to keep the fireworks going for generations to come. When we come back. When we come back, when you got to go, you got to go, right? Stick around. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. 69 degrees outside. Go out, enjoy the day. The bottom falls out in the next day or two. And Wednesday and Thursday, there's there's a possibility of snow around here. And they're saying, like, the Green Bay area might get up to a foot of snow. Welcome to spring in Wisconsin. All right, here is the story. I am curious as to your reaction. Augusta, Georgia, last week. They're going to have the Masters there this week. There is a woman. I'm looking at a photograph of her now. She is extremely pregnant. She is expected to give birth later this month. She is driving in her car. She's got her three-year-old son in the car with her. She's very, very pregnant. The three-year-old son, and maybe if you have raised small children, you have been in this situation. The three-year-old son announces, Mom, I got to pee. All right? So she says, okay, hang, hang on for a second. I'll, I'll find you. I'll find your place. And she says, he says, no, Mom, I got to pee now. And so the mom, now again, this woman is eight and a half months pregnant. She pulls into this gas station and she's moving kind of slowly because that I mentioned she's eight and a half months pregnant. So she gets out of the car, the kid's in the car seat, the three-year-old, she starts to get him out of the car seat and he says, mom, I'm not going to make it. 
So what she does is she takes him to like the, the back of her car and then she kind of shields him and the little boy pees on, on, <laughs> you know, pees behind her car on at, at the gas station. So the, the child urinates in the parking lot at the gas station, you know, because mom, mom's kind of like trying to shield him so people can't see this, but it's like the kid has to go. He's three years old. She's like, I'm, I'm eight and a half months pregnant. I am not moving that fast. All right, well, I don't know that anybody saw this, with one exception, because she's kind of covering up the kid. There is a police officer, nearby police officer, who happens to see the kid is peeing behind the car in the parking lot. So the police officer comes up and says, hey, your, your kid, I just saw him. He was peeing in the parking lot. And she said, well, yeah, as you notice, I'm eight and a half months pregnant. The kid wasn't going to make it in there. And rather than have him mess himself, he, she says, like, accidents happen. He says, well, you, you should have just taken him side to the bathroom. And she said, he wasn't going to make it into the bathroom. Don't you understand? This was kind of an emergency situation. Police officer says, I don't see it that way at all, and gives her a ticket. Gives her a ticket for disorderly conduct for having her three-year-old son pee in the parking lot of the gas station. The penalty for disorderly conduct is up to $1,000 in fines and up to 60 days in jail. Now, it's not to say that she's going to get a $1,000 fine or it's not to say that she's going to get 60 days in jail, but she's she's now been cited. And this story is going viral. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, as a general rule, if you would ask me to... This is not necessarily the most profound thing I'm going to say in this three-hour show. But if you were going to ask me, do I think it's a good idea for people to drop trowel and pee in the parking lots of gas stations? My answer would be no. My answer would be no. But at the same time, under these facts and circumstances, an eight-and-a-half-month pregnant woman who's trying to wrestle with a three-year-old kid who's got to go, what good is it to give her a thousand dollar disorderly conduct ticket. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gru is lining up the calls we discuss in just a moment. And this is Jeff Wagner. Chris starts us off with a text. Jeff, clearly this officer doesn't have kids. I can't you tell you how many times we have pulled over on busy highways to allow our three children to go to the bathroom. Well, I just, I, the, do I think it's a good idea to pee in parking lots? Well, of course not. But every once in a while, especially with three-year-olds who are just barely potty trained, sometimes isn't stuff like this going to happen? Let's start with Dale in Madison. Dale, you're first. Hello. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Real well, thank you. What do you think? Well, I started by making a joke, saying uh, this officer's... The only way this makes any sense at all is if this officer's name is Barney Fife, <laughs> and it happened in Mayberry RFD, because right. other than that, this makes zero sense. Uh, and the fact that this was instigated, instigated by a police officer 
really uh, is scary, and it just goes to show that uh, common sense truly is dead in this country. Well, it, it uh, I mean, look, look, I mean, I understand that there are certainly going to be circumstances if somebody just pulls up at a, at a gas station and jumps out of the car and starts peeing on one of the pumps. I, I mean, I understand that, you know, a disorderly conduct t- ticket and perhaps a breathalyzer might be well an issue. But, you know, in this case, when you're talking about an eight-and-a-half-month pregnant kid with a three year old who's got to go at this point in time you'd think that instead of giving her a ticket you'd say hey can is there anything i can do to help you out lady because it looks like you've got a lot of trouble going on here you know first of all i'm not even sure why he even went there i mean if if this had happened at two o'clock in the morning outside a bar and it was a drunken guy doing it that's a different story but again to my point of you know lack of common sense it's pretty clear what's going on and uh yeah apparently he's never had any kids because <laughs> you know when they have to go they have to go it it's not a big deal if i were her i would plead not guilty and ask for a jury trial cuz it's <laughs> not a god not a jury in this country, that would convict her. Right, right. Thanks for and and I'm not sure that there's a, a judge who has to run for election who would convict her either. But still, she ends up getting this disorderly conduct ticket. Let's talk to Joe in Milwaukee. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, I'm all for officers, and uh, you know, uh, I am too. And all the rules and whatnot, right? But seriously, just like your last caller, common sense. And the point I wanted to make is if if you really want to enforce this law in particular. Just go to any truck stop at any time, <laughs> and you'll see tons of truck drivers getting out of their trucks and peeing on the trucks, <laughs> literally peeing on the tires of the trucks, before walking 100 yards into the building to use the bathroom. <laughs> and it is disgusting, and it, you see it all the time. And uh, so if, if you really want to make something to do with this certain law, go for that. But right, hang, case, out at, uh, hang out at some truck stop off the, off the expressway in Augusta, and you could be writing tickets right and left is what you're saying. It, Totally making a lot of money for the community. Yep. Uh, yeah, but right. It, instead, it's it's a three-year-old kid. Okay, now I have a text here. It says, pregnant or not, knowing she is pregnant and not wanting to move very fast, she should have or could have taken him to the bathroom before they left or not given the kid too much to drink. Huh. Well, I, again, I, look, I, I, I don't have small children. Okay, I didn't raise small children. But my guess is when you have, for example, three-year-olds that, that, yeah, yes, you can say, did you go before we left? Or here, you know, I'm not going to give you a sip of that apple juice or whatever. But it doesn't matter because stuff does happen in this thing called called real life. And this idea that, okay, she's trying to deal with this. And, and yes, in a perfect world, the child would have been able to hold it and all. But, you know, what – that that's not what happened. So does this really constitute disorderly conduct? And is this really, you know, how you want law enforcement spending its resources? And this isn't a matter of being pro law enforcement or anti law enforcement. It's like, all right, maybe you should employ the common sense that God gave a, a goose in trying to figure out who you issue tickets to. Russ in Bristol. Russ, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how are you today? Hi, Russ. Hey, I. I'm surprised he didn't issue the three-year-old a ticket for, uh, you know, urinating in public. I mean, this is just nuts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the kid, the kid has to go. And the, the person that texted in, I mean, I've had small kids. And when they tell you they've got to go, and I don't care if you, <laughs> you know, said, hey, I know you went to the bathroom 10 minutes ago. Right. And we got in the car and we're driving down the road, they say they've got to go. You've got to stop. Right. Because and and they, no they, they, they mean they've got to go. <laughs> right. 
Exactly. This is not like, hey, you know, about maybe 10 miles down the road, can we find a stop? No, this is, this is a now thing. And I think this is just a complete lack of common sense. I think if this goes to a judge, the judge is going to look at the cop and laugh at him. I just, I can't imagine that there'd be a judge or jury that would let this lady, you know, hang on this. This uh, is just dumb. Well, it is. I mean, right. Thanks for call. And again, it, it's not, if there was a track record, for example, of maybe this child, this woman just like driving her kids around and having them pee in public or something like that, okay, maybe that's where you get child protective services look in. But, all right, there are legitimate emergency situations, and this certainly sounds like one. And, and let's be honest. Can we can we see a show of hands between all the guys that are listening to me now, I, a number of people who worked at construction sites and said, Jeff, if, if, this, if this was really – there's construction workers to be getting ticketed 10 times a day. You know, can you really say that there hasn't been a time as a child or maybe as an adult where you, you really, really had to go and so you just kind of went? I mean, I, I understand, and especially with a three-year-old. In any event, I'll keep you updated on where this goes. But right now, the ticket stands, and this woman, uh, this story is going viral. If you haven't seen it, you'll probably see it later on today. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Eric, this is one of the annoying things I was telling you a little earlier about the, that ring thing that we have set up. And I'm getting all these texts from people yeah. who have it and love it. For people who don't know, it's you, you put it, in our case, it kind of replaces the doorbell. And when somebody comes up to the door... And, and they ring the doorbell. The doorbell still goes off, but the camera goes on, and there's a motion sensor and all. Um, I, I've, I've gotten like eight or nine in the last <laughs> hour. The thing keeps going wow. off saying, oh, you're, there's motion at your front door. And, and I don't think it's motion. I think it's, again, cars driving by or dogs being walked or, or, or whatever. Now, but can it's you fix cool. that? Can you, can you tweak it so it, the it, wind isn't yes, in your sensor? It, it, it can be tweaked. There's there's two questions there. Can can it be tweaked? Yes. Can I tweak it? No. I, 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 my, Fair enough. My, my 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 brother-in-law Kenny put the thing in, and my sister-in-law Ruthie set the you know set the coordinates and stuff sure, like yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah. I, there, I I watched her I watched her do it, and and so yes, you can you can narrow down the field because we were doing that in the backyard and the off the back porch too. So you you can do it. Um, a lot of people just tell me they love it. They also tell me you get an insurance discount if you have it. Oh, some some places nice. will give you an insurance discount if you have it up there. So yeah, that was. But again, it keeps. It keeps like buzzing. I have my phone next to me. It keeps buzzing, and I keep looking. There is motion at your front door, but it's actually it's kind of it is a it's a cool thing. No, it's great. That's that's the future, man, right there. And I love the talkback feature. So if there is somebody at the door, I can just push that button and talk to them. What are you there? What do you want? You know, they're gonna think the radio's on. They're gonna think the radio's on. It is that guy on the radio <laughs> that's out there. Absolutely. Um, speaking of the future, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. A little bit later on in the show, Burger King under fire for an allegedly racist ad. And we're going to talk about whether this ad is a real legitimate microaggression, that's the term we use nowadays, or do people need to lighten up? If you want to get an advanced look at the ad, follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620 and I, I tweeted that out a little while ago. But, but before we... Before we move on to some of the actual real pressing serious issues of the day, there is one other story I wanted to open up the phone lines on on briefly about. If you are a regular listener of this program, you know that I'm a fan of the old Mark's Big Boy. I, I'm, I've told the story before about how I, I darn near 
bought one of those giant Mark's big boy statues, you know, the things that you see outside the restaurants. I, I darn near almost bought one of those a number of years ago, with like this eight-foot-tall statue or something like that, until my wife asked me that, that question that kind of stopped me in the tracks, which is, okay, what are you going to do with this giant statue? And then when I, I said, well, we can put it in the yard and put lights on it and stuff, that kind of ended that. But now, as a matter of fact, many of you who know my fascination with big boys, every once in a while people will send me little big boy bobblehead dolls, and I've, I've got a couple of those scattered around the house. My wife got me one of those as a gift for Christmas. But I'm, I'm a big fan of the old Mark's Big Boy. The Mark's Big Boy Sandwich, which... Well, it was kind of a Big Mac before they were Big Macs. If you grew up around here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Two patties, slice of cheese in the middle. Their secret sauce was essentially Thousand Island dressing. But it doesn't matter. I love the Mark's Big Boy sandwiches. For the last, well, few years, if you went down to Kilowatt, which was the um, the it was the restaurant in the um, the Intercontinental Hotel, they had. They had a sandwich that was like the big boy sandwich on the menu. But Kilowatt is, uh, they're, they're now, the hotel is now being rebranded as something different. And, and, and I don't even know if Kilowatt is still open or not, but, you know, I think the menu is going to change. For a while, if you went out to the Marcus the Majestic Theater out in Pewaukee, you know, they had the old big boy hamburger burgers on on the menu you could get it that that's not there at least the last time i went out there it's not there anymore but i still used to love these now the way i reason i bring this up is because in milwaukee you've got a couple very famous places for hamburgers you've got my my friends at Sally's um in glendale You've got um, Sobelman's with the multiple locations, and then you have A.J. Bombers. Well, okay, the news is that A.J. Bombers, this week and this week only, April 8th through next Sunday, so today through Sunday, at their locations in Milwaukee on Water Street and in Bur- on Burleigh in Wauwatosa, they're, they're bringing back the Big Boy Hamburger, and they're going to have a a version of it which apparently is extremely similar, if not identical, to what you used to get at the old big boy places from years to, for years and years. And story that ran in the Journal Sentinel, um, you know, you've got some of the folks from the Marcus family, and they're talking about how, you know, they're excited about this, and they hope it really takes off. Um David Marcus, who's the chief executive of Marcus Investments, and they, are, they, of course, own the movie theaters and the company, own the big boys and things like that. He says, I spent my youth waiting in line to enjoy big boys. That's how I came to enjoy the restaurant business. There's nothing better than when someone has a fanatical connection to your food. I I agree. Our number, 414, just one segment, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have to tell you, I there's there's some burgers that come and go. There's some food items that you used to be able to get and you can't get anymore. But there is something about those old big boy hamburgers that I just think there is a connection. And I was just thrilled when I saw that Sobelman was, was going to be with Sobelman's that um, AJ Bombers was going to be bringing them back for a week to the point that I'm actually looking at my schedule, thinking, "All right, <laughs> I, I got to figure out a way that I can get over and get one of these." Because you know what? 
I really miss them. I don't think there's anything like them. And yeah, I understand you can get Big Macs, but Big Macs just aren't the same. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Whenever I have seen these on the menu, uh, again, at different places, when you went out to the to the movie theater, like I say, at the Majestic or at Kilowatt or whatever, I, I've always made a point of ordering them. And you know what? They have always taken me on that walk down memory lane. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This This is part of this retro thing that's going on. Is this going to be a success? And is this maybe the start of something? Again, some of these things that people used to really enjoy around here that, you know, is perhaps worth bringing back for more than just a, a one-week experience. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I will tell you, in this particular case, am, am I willing to adjust my schedule and figure out how I can get down to Water Street or out at, on Burleigh to, to get one of these? Yeah, and I hope, I, I hope that there, I hope that this is, Really, really close to what I remember. Sometimes stuff is a is a disappointment. Marty in Hales Corners. Marty, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi you know, I used to work as a big boy with all my friends in South Milwaukee, and I can tell you this for a fact: that sandwich was a great sandwich, and it's a great idea that AJ Bombers is bringing it back because they're going to have a a ton of people there. But in all honesty, the two best things at the big boy was a fried chicken. And the fish fry. Well, I like the fried chicken. I also like the uh, the brawny lad. Remember the big burger thing with the big slice of onion on it? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I, I well right. They, I mean, look, and I, I get it. I mean, there's other great stuff at the big boys too, and the milkshakes and things like that. I mean, I understand all that, but I, there there was something that the big boy sandwich was something that was completely and totally, absolutely iconic. Now, the risk, and this is the challenge that a place like, you know, A.J. Bombers takes when, when they bring it back, is it's going to be judged against people's memories. Now, for example, I was a huge fan growing up, after I turned 18, of course, of On Decker beer, you know, which used to be like, Michelob was the Pabst high was the uh, Budweiser high end beer, and um, Ondecker was the high end Pabst beer. And so I was really excited a couple of years ago when they brought Ondecker back. You know, they they rolled it out at the Pabst Brew Pub that they have downtown and stuff. And so I was really excited because I remember this this Ondecker from my my youth, and I just I used to love that. And so. We were there like the opening day and all, and I ordered the on decker. And I don't know if it was, I don't know if my taste buds had changed over the years, or I don't know if they were using a, a different formula than the on decker that I grew up drinking. But I found I found it to be extremely disappointing. But you know, this is I think it's just an absolutely great idea, and I think they're going to have a lot of success with it. And I think there's a number of things around this area. That, you know, there, there is this retro appeal because, right, it's not exactly health food or anything like that, but we're excited about it. We enjoy it, and so we like it. So in any event, if you're jonesing for, if you're jonesing for the old-time big boy sandwiches, you have a chance this week, um, A.J. Bombers, this week, today, through next Sunday, they're going to be doing their version of it. I can't wait. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
We're back. So very glad to have you with us. Chris Davis watch goes on. You know who Chris Davis is? Chris Davis is the first baseman for the Baltimore Orioles. He, two and a half years ago, three years ago, he signed a contract extension, guaranteed money, $121 bucks or thereabouts. He's halfway through that, that contract extension. So the, the Orioles still owe him like 60 plus million dollars. All right. Um, after this season. So there, there, there's nothing they can do. He, he, he's having a, a record streak of futility. The major league record for hitless at bats in a row, you know, getting up to bat and going hitless is 46. It was set by a guy who played for the Dodgers. Back in 2011, went 46 consecutive at-bats without having a hit. Interestingly, the record before that was held by Milwaukee's own Craig Council. He went hitless, and I'm sure he loves it when I bring that up, 45 times. 45 times, but he no longer holds, he doesn't hold the record. Some guy came along, 46 at-bats in a row. Now, all those people, yeah, they were playing the major leagues, but they weren't making $23 million a year. This Chris Davis... Um, right now, he is at 44 consecutive at-bats without a hit. And half or times, he, he's striking out, so he's not even close. So three more at-bats. I don't know if Baltimore plays today, but if he plays and he's in the lineup, three more at-bats, and he will set the all-time record for futility in the major leagues. And it's it's kind of like, I admit that I'm now weirdly fascinated with this story because I'm pulling for the guy. It, it's like... Oh, for goodness sakes. Now, you don't have to have it. I'm not too sorry for him because he, he's making $23 million a year, whether he hits the ball or not. But still, you got to kind of go, come on, pal. You know, I, I'm pulling for you to get through this. We will see how that all works out. But uh, Chris Davis, we're on Chris Davis watch. Three more at-bats, and he sets the record for most hitless at-bats in a row. Not a record that you necessarily want. All right, over the last couple of weeks. We have talked on multiple occasions about th- this this college admission scandal that has caught up Hollywood stars and, and very, very wealthy people from all across the country. The idea being the wealthy people want to get their kids into schools that the kids otherwise wouldn't get into. And so there was this outfit that you could pay them a whole bunch of money, and the outfit would do everything from arranging to quote-unquote correct SAT test scores or have people take the SAT scores for the kids. Or in many cases, what the kids would do is they would, for example, pretend that they were an athlete, here, volleyball or sailing or whatever, and then what would happen is the parents through this third party would pay money that was then paid to a coach on one of the teams, they would bribe the coach essentially. So you have a kid who wouldn't otherwise be able to get in who suddenly is admitted because the coach has been paid a, a substantial bribe. All right. So now the coaches are being charged in an indictment. The parents that are paying the bribes are being charged in an indictment. The middle guy who was facilitating all this, you know, he's being charged in an indictment. But the question becomes what happens to the kids? Stanford, which is one of these high-end, difficult-to-get-into schools, Stanford was one of the schools that was caught up in this. And the sailing coach, of all things, the sailing coach 
was paid several hundred thousand dollars in bribes to arrange for this one kid to get into Stanford. And this is now a couple of years ago. So the kid gets into Stanford on the representation that she's going to be sailing. And, of course, then as soon as she gets in, she she drops out. She drops out of the program, the sailing program. The coach keeps the money, and she's in school. Well, what Stanford announced late last week was the kid who had been in school now for a couple years. The kid had been expelled. Her admission had been rescinded. And that, you know, all the credits that she earned since she'd been at Stanford were being wiped away because they said, hey, this was, you know, all your stuff was forged. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Is this too harsh a result for the kid? Nobody's arguing that the coach who took the money, the sailing coach, nobody's arguing that he shouldn't be fired and, and be charged. I'm not going to defend the parents who paid the money, but the kid got in and the kid has apparently been doing the work. Is it fair to the child? And I don't know whether the kid knew about it or not. You would have to assume that the kid maybe did, but Stanford didn't care about that. Stanford just said, okay, she got in under false pretenses. Boom, she's gone. Is that the right result? 414-799-1620. I'll tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. 69 degrees outside, as we were saying earlier. Don't get too used to this. Uh, the bottom's going to fall out in the next day or two, and they're saying in the northern part of the state they're expecting you know, a huge snowfall. Yes, you heard me right. Huge snowfall. Just cold rain here. Look, I'm not going to bury the lead on this story. I think I, I think the roads are getting a lot more dangerous. I'm not talking about potholes. I'm talking about because of the people who are out driving. And I think that collectively we need to see law enforcement being a lot more aggressive in pulling over people for, say, reckless driving. I also think we need to get a lot more serious with people who are driving without driver's licenses or on suspended licenses or whatever. It's a big deal. I see this on a daily basis. I'm sure you do, too. And it's almost like you take your life in your own hands. Now, what has me started about this is the story that Melissa was just telling you about the the three people who died and a fourth is in very serious condition. Um, They were if you haven't follow the story it's about seven o'clock friday night highway 50 in kenosha main drag and it's 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 a family uh the the let's see they're you know uh two doctors a dentist a registered nurse what's happening is is they're driving along highway 50 the speed limit there i think is 55 it might be 50 all right there's a a car a pickup truck that comes up behind them the car the pickup truck is going a hundred miles an hour a hundred miles an hour seven o'clock on highway 50 the pickup truck hits the the jeep that this family is driving in hits it from behind and what happens is because of the impact the, the pickup truck that I mentioned is going 100 miles an hour. It knocks the, the Jeep off the road. And as near as I can figure this out, where where it, the Jeep gets knocked off the road, but there, there's a slope. It's not like there, there's a shoulder or anything. Apparently, the Jeep 
um, when it's hit from behind at 100 miles an hour, it goes off the road, it goes down this incline, it flips over, and like I say, three of the four people in the car end up end up dead. The the car is upside down in these these marshy in this marshy area. So it's not just a factor of did they get hit from behind. It's they were knocked off the road. The car flips over. They find the the car driven by the guy who is undoubtedly drunk. Um, they find that a hundred yards further down the road and of course he's, he's hurt but all what's always almost happens almost always happens with these situations where you have the the drunks that they they walk away from it so he's in the hospital right now but he doesn't have serious injuries three people are dead as a result of this and a fourth seriously injured and now the the authorities at this point in time you know they're waiting for the toxicology to come back you know what it's going to come back and say but you know regardless at that point in time they'll bring charges but it doesn't bring these three people back it doesn't help the the fourth person who was in the car who's like seriously injured doesn't help her get over her injuries and you know as it turns out the guy that was driving the car i mean they talk about how he has a prior uh, conviction for intoxicated use of a motor vehicle causing injury by drunk driving no with he's got a wisconsin driver's license that's revoked although they say he might have had a valid illinois license how you get a valid illinois license after your wisconsin's license is revoked is beyond me but it's another one of these situations where somebody who probably shouldn't have been out on the road in the first place is in fact out on the road our number 414-799-1620 that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line again i don't know about you but I, I swear, I see stuff like this on an almost daily basis as, as I drive around the area. Now, I'm not talking about the, the type of thing that results in three people being dead necessarily, but the cars that are driving 50 and 60 miles an hour in the 25-mile-an-hour zone, the recklessly weaving in and out of traffic. On my way into work today, I, I watched this car in front of me blow through this red light and damn near hit a car that was coming across. And I mean, I saw this all happening in front of me, and I thought, oh, it's there but for the grace of God that you know that this person and this it was a it, it it was really it was kind of this beater car i was watching this and the car was a couple ahead of me and i'm thinking that guy's not going to stop that that light's been yellow for a long time i know he's going through that and it turned red yeah he went through it and somebody started it was an absolute miracle that nobody got hit and killed in that thing but you see that on an almost daily basis and i think part of it is that we are so tolerant, and I'm not just talking about in this community, I'm talking about in this state. We are so tolerant when it comes to people who shouldn't be out on the road who are out on the road. And if you crack down on driving without a license or driving after suspended and you start seizing cars and things like that, you know, will it necessarily solve all the problems? No. But I think I think it will go a long way towards making things better. And I think we've got, you know, we talk about getting tougher on drunk driving, and I'm all in favor of that. I think we need to get tougher on erratic driving, in particular, things like driving without licenses, because my guess is, if you look at a lot of the bad stuff that happens, that's one of the common denominators. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Matt in Oak Creek. Matt, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? I am well, thank you. You agree with well, me? You on board with this? 
I am definitely on board with this. And like I was telling your screener, everybody, uh, on top of just being in a rush for themselves and not really being considerate of other people on the road, um, you know, car manufacturers, I think, have a hand in this because you have these mixed messages coming out about how to not be on your phone while you're driving and to pay attention to the road. But then all these cars now, all they all they advertise is how great their their infotainment systems are, and and it can do this, and you can connect your phone, and you can play your music, and all that stuff in these newer cars with these huge screens in some way, shape, or form require a cell phone in order to take advantage of all yeah. the features. Right, so, it, it, it all contribute. You know, I did a topic a week or two ago, Matt, about how if you really wanted to stop limit distracted driving, you bring back the automa- the uh, manual transmissions. Because you know, if if you've got to shift and do all that stuff, your 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 ability to not pay attention is so much reduced. Now we're going the other way; we're going towards self-driving cars. But but bring back the manual transmissions. You're not going to have as much distracted driving. I completely agree. And and you know, with everyone having licenses and having to have insurance and stuff like that, and maybe getting tougher on repeat offenders. I mean, it's just going to keep getting worse. Well, it it, it no thanks. I mean, I I, I that's why. That's why I think when you see this erratic driving, and, and right now, look, I get it. The idea is, okay, so you don't have a driver's license. Well, you need a car to get around, and it, it just, it's a vicious cycle if we, if we punish you too much for driving without a license. Well, okay, if you're driving without a license, um, and chances are you probably don't have insurance either. And so you're, you just end up being a menace, and that's the type of thing that happened. I mean, all right, last week. Last week, I, I go home a couple different routes, and one of the, my ways of going home is I leave the station, I go east, and I cut through Esterbrook Park, right, which is just a, the, the park. they got a really nice beer garden there. It's immediately to the east of where I work. And Esterbrook Park, going through Esterbrook Park, the speed limit is 25, all right? Now, people don't necessarily go 25, but they go around 25, and it's because it's a public park. And typically what happens is they also allow parking. There's two lanes, two and a half lanes on each way, and they allow parking there. So the other day, and this is an honest-to-goodness true story, I'm, I'm going through Esterbrook Park. Um, there's one lane. There's something going on, so there's all these cars parked on one side. I see this car coming. The car, it was going 80 miles an hour if it was going one, and it's driving over the center lane, it's just, and the person just doesn't care. And I'm swerving to get over. The car behind me is swerving to get over. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, okay, this is one where, where is the police officer? I tried to get a license plate. It went by me real fast. Well, that wasn't going to work because the car didn't have a license plate. You know, because I, seriously, this was one that was so reckless. I figured that guy had to either be drunk or something else because you wouldn't be going 80 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour zone driving down the middle of the road if you you weren't drunk um or at least if that's not the case then somebody who shouldn't be behind the wheel of the car couldn't get a license plate because there was none on the car but this is what happens you take your life into your own hands and i for one i'm just i'm sick of these stories i'm sick of this story like this these this, these two couples, everybody related outside of Kenosha, who are dead simply because I don't. They're going out for their fish fry, or they're coming back for their fish fry at seven o'clock at night. They're all fine, and you've got some undoubtedly drunken lout driving a hundred miles an hour who runs them off the road at just the wrong point in time, and they end up being dead. And it turns out that the guys, uh, again, v- invalid Wisconsin license plate, prior conviction for injury caused by drunk driving. How much of 
this stuff and how many people are going to have to die or be seriously injured before we collectively say enough is enough. I'm way past that point. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Well, let's see. We did a uh, station-sponsored Fox World Travel River Cruise, and we did the Danube last year. And this year in September, we're doing the Rhine, starting in Amsterdam and all. I, and I, I always I love the idea of traveling to different places. But I will tell you one place, not today, not tomorrow, not ever, that we're not doing a Jeff Wagner listener tour to. It would be Uganda. Um, this this is the story. And if this for everybody out there who's who's interested in seeing exotic places, this should be this cautionary tale. There's this woman. Maybe you saw it. I mean, her her dream, and uh, her name is Kimberly Sue Endicott, and she's in her fifties. What she is, she she runs a skincare business in Los Angeles. Her her dream had always been to go to see. Gorillas. She wants to go on a safari in Africa to see gorillas, not to not to shoot things or anything like that. But she wants to see gorillas in her natural habitat. So she signs up with one of these these tour outfits that will take people, and they end up going to Uganda of all places, and one of these giant national natu- national parks where you have the ability to see gorillas in in the wild. So what happens last week is that she and her guide and another couple are on this like tour they they spun off and they're going to look to see gorillas what happens is they are abducted at gunpoint by these four armed guys who take the woman and take the guide they apparently let the older couple go so that they take the woman they take the guide they also take the lady's cell phone, and what they've done is it's a kidnapping. Then they, you know, call up on her cell phone and say, "If you want to see her alive, we want wait for it five hundred thousand dollars." And there's this ongoing discussion back and forth, and you, you know, Uganda says, "Okay, well, we're going to bring out our national police, and we're going to try to track these guys down." Bottom line is, I mean, the silver lining of the story is the the woman ended up paying a ransom. Don't know whether it was $500,000 or whether they were able to get a discount. But the bottom line is that they were able to pay it. They were they paid the ransom and, you know, she was ultimately released. Now, the way the story was initially reported is it said well, some of the headlines said, well, she'd been rescued. Well, she she really hadn't been rescued. She'd been ransomed. And and they once they paid the ransom, they, they let her go. But the problem, of course, with this is that when you go to some of these countries, particularly some of these more exotic countries, it's a whole different world out there. Now, this story is getting a bunch of attention because some people are saying, well, they, they, the family shouldn't have paid the, the ransom because that's just going to embolden the kidnappers. And there, you know, there's that movie from uh, a couple of years ago, All the Money in the World, about when J. Paul Getty's grandson got kidnapped years and years ago and he refused to pay a, a ransom and it, they made the whole big Hollywood movie out of it a couple of years ago. And, and I understand, you know, in theory, you always say, well, don't pay the ransom because that just emboldens kidnappers and it makes more people subject of that. But at the same time, how do you not pay the ransom? I mean, if that's if 
that's my brother, if that's my wife, if that's my nephew, and, and I have the ability to come up with the money to pay the ransom, I'm going to have the ability to come. I'm going to do it. I mean, that's the most important thing is getting that person back alive, even though it sets this bad precedent. Bottom line of this story, though, in I think this is the real learning curve on this, is that um, Americans in particular, when you go to certain countries, you have a target on your forehead and on your back for things like this to happen. And I think I know, look, I, I know people who enjoy like the big game hunting and things like that, but it's a really dangerous world out there. And the truth of the matter is you go to some of these countries and, well, Yes, they have police forces, and yes, they have military and things like that, but they're simply not able to guarantee your safety. This woman was on a responsible tour. I mean, it it wasn't like she was, again, freelancing or anything like that, but, you know, when you're out with your guide and four guys with machine guns come up, they take you. There's, There's not too much that people can do to stop it. So bottom line is... If you're thinking of traveling, you, you might want to really take a serious look at, at where you've traveled to. And as much as you'd love to see gorillas in their natural habitat, maybe maybe sometimes it's just smarter to watch it on the National Geographic channel. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, good afternoon again, Wisconsin. Thanks for joining me. Eminent domain is this concept that it's thrown around a lot, but essentially it says the government can take your property for the public good. And the government, in taking your property, has an obligation to pay you the fair market value of of the property. But if it's for the public good, it doesn't matter whether you want to sell or not. They get to take it. The the most common examples of eminent domain are you're in a community, they need a school, and they, they need to take they need to take some private property to run the roads to the school, for example. Or you need to put, you need to take some private property for city hall. Or you need to widen the roads. I mean, maybe there's been a two-lane road that's been there forever, and now the community's grown, and the road needs to be widened. So eminent domain would let you take a bit of take some of people's property, their private property. Hey, we're going to carve out 10 feet out of your front yard because we're going to expand the road. Now, you might not like that, but it's for the public good. That is the concept behind it. It is also extremely controversial. What is for the public good and who makes that decision? Now, a couple years ago, when Republicans controlled the state legislature like they do now, and Governor Walker was the governor, the the Republicans passed language. There was language included in the state government which said eminent domain can't be used for bike trails, recreational trails, and pedestrian ways. In other words, we're going to limit the ability of local government to come in and take people's property for recreational uses. You know, it's one thing if you need to put in the school. It's one thing if you need to widen the roads. It's one thing if you need to find the place where you're going to have the community building. But just because you want to extend a bike trail, well, we're not going to allow you to force somebody to sell a chunk of their property for a recreational use like a a bike trail or a recreational trail or a pedestrian way. That that's just under the law we feel that's not a proper use of eminent domain. This 
this controversy has bubbled up because Tony Evers in his budget, with the blessing of the guy, the big tax, road tax guy that he wants to have as the Secretary of Transportation, they, they have blessed this idea. And in Evers' new budget, what he says is he wants to restore the ability of a local government and a state agency to take your property for biking and hiking trails. So if you're a private property owner and you don't want a bike trail running through your backyard or you don't want a walking trail running through your backyard, under Evers' plan, you wouldn't be able to stop the government from doing it. The local government could come in and say, hey, you know, we want to extend these biking trails or whatever, and, and we don't care. What's going to happen? We're going to do it. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So what you have brewing in Wisconsin right now is, again, a battle between bicycling enthusiasts and walkers and people like that who would like to have trails, for example, that, I don't know, run between different waterways or run along certain waterways, even if those trails would go through people's backyards and even if the people who own the property in the backyards didn't want to sell. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I'm, I'm all in favor of recreation. Okay, I think bike trails are a great thing. I've been telling everybody about how excited I am. I've got this new e-bike. It was actually out the other day. Somebody said, I didn't know what an e-bike was after I heard you talking about it. I had to look it up. Yeah, it's these bikes that have these like little motors, these power assist motors. So I'm looking forward to going on certain trails and stuff with it. But at the same time, I don't think the government, whether it's a local government or a state agency, should be going in and saying to a homeowner, boom, we want to extend a bike trail or we want to put a bike trail in and we're going to put it through your backyard. It's one thing to build schools. It's one thing to build courthouses. It's one thing to widen roads. But for recreational purposes, I don't think that's what eminent domain should be all about. What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Ah, a little bit of cold streak down to 65 degrees. Still beautiful. Get out and enjoy the day. Ben in Brookfield. Ben, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Okay. What do you think uh, about this whole eminent domain for recreational uses? It's exactly that. Eminent domain is to be serving uh, for you know getting people around for commerce needs or for emergency vehicles, getting to where they need to be quickly, and uh, you know hiking trails and uh, recreational is, you know, we don't need to be taking people's private property for recreational purposes. Yes, yeah, see, I, I, right, I, I, I agree, and I, I understand that if you don't allow the government to just grab people's property for this, it, it makes it more difficult maybe to extend a hiking trail or a bike trail. It might make it uh, more expensive. It might make it more complicated, but that doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's people's private property, and I, I don't have sympathy if somebody says, well, okay, I, I don't want it. I, I don't like the idea that you're going to expand the road. Well, the roads need to be expanded. You don't have to have a bike trail. You just don't. I agree. And if we don't continue to expand roads and congestion builds up, that's how we have more car crashes and more injuries and fatalities. Right. No, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, this is probably... 
less of an issue in the southeastern part of the state than it is in other areas of the state where you have, again, more development going on and you've got maybe more bodies of water and you want this effort to do that. But, I mean, eminent domain is one of these very, very controversial things. The You might remember there was a Supreme Court decision a number of years ago called the, the Kelo, K-E-L-O, Kelo versus the City of New London. And it goes back, oh, it goes back about 15 years now. And, and this was where it, it used to be that the, it used to be that eminent domain was really, again, for roads and schools and things like that. And you could use eminent domain for blighted buildings. The, the idea that, okay, the city wants to do a redevelopment project, and you've got a whole bunch of, of slums that are there, and you want to come in and you want to level them, but you've got the slum owner who is deciding to hold the city hostage. Well, no, I, I, I don't want to sell them. I want you to give me more money. I don't want to sell it. So there's always been eminent domain has always allowed you to go and use the concept of hey if it's if it's blighted these are slums you can go in you can use eminent domain you can pay the owner of the slums fair market value and what what we'll do is you know we'll we'll tear it down and we'll use it for development that's always been the case well the the kilo case expanded eminent domain and it I'm going to simplify it a little bit but it said that even if it's not a slum if you've got a building and you, you're the city, you want to get rid of that two-story garage that's been there for uh, the two-story gas station on the corner that's been there for years and years and years and years and years because you've got some developer that wants to put up a 20-story high-rise that's going to pay you money, that's going to generate more in property tax. Well, the Kilo case said you can use eminent domain to get rid of that gas station that's not really a slum. And you could say it's because it's economically blighted or, you know, what whatever. So I, I think the Kilo case is a bad case. It expands eminent domain way too much. This is a rollback of this. And and I think it's an appropriate sort of thing for the legislature to say, look, it's one thing for a business use. It's one thing if you're going to enhance the community economically. But as far as just, okay, we're going to put a hiking trail there. No, if you want to put a hiking trail there, you've got to convince the owner of the property to sell. And if they don't, well, you put the hiking trail somewhere else. I think that is a reasonable position. Tony Evers wants to allow the government to take your property. Um, the Republican legislature, I think, is saying no way. And my, my guess is the Republican legislature is going to get its way on this one. It's 221. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back. So glad to have you with us. The law is very clear that as a general rule, tax returns are private. The, the, the government cannot, for example, politicians can't get access to your individual tax returns and then use that to embarrass you. Now, in Wisconsin, your tax returns are private, but somebody can request for taxpayers to know a couple pieces of information like you know how much tax was paid and things like that. that that's public, but your tax returns are, in fact, private. On the federal level, that the same rules apply, except you, you can't even request to find out how much tax somebody paid. Um, if there is a question about whether or not somebody has violated the law, 
Um, there are provisions, if you work in the U.S. Attorney's Office, there are provisions and there are showings that you can make to get approval to pull people's, uh, to pull people's tax returns for, you know, investigation of criminal purposes. For example, I mean, I, their IRS has a criminal investigation division that investigates Say drug dealers. I mean, maybe you have this situation where you've got a drug dealer, or you have somebody that's reported, I don't know, income of $25,000, and you look at their expenses, and you find that they're spending, you know, $3 million. Well, all right, it might be inherited wealth, but in all likelihood, it's probably like illicit gains. Okay, but so, th- but there, are, even within that, Parameters. The law is very strict about who can get access to tax returns and, and what can be done with them. All right. There is a relatively obscure provision of the law. It goes back to 1924. The House Ways and Means Committee is the budget writing, tax code writing arm of Congress. And this 1924 law allows the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee to request tax return information, the tax returns of individual citizens. The way this has almost always been used historically is as part of an effort to find out, for example, all right, we're considering we're considering closing some loophole. Right? How many people take advantage? How many people seek a deduction for this? Well, if we're going to write legislation, we have to know. You know, that that type of thing. That's not how it is currently being used. And we've talked about variations of the spore, but the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, a guy named Richard Neal, he is a Democrat, he has sent a letter demanding that the um, Secretary of the Treasury release, I'm demanding that the IRS release President Trump's tax returns starting at 2013 and moving forward. The justification isn't that we think he's committed a crime, but we want to see if the IRS audit procedures, is the IRS, you know, um, following its audit procedures? Now, they, they have no evidence to suggest that there's anything funny going on with the IRS. That's the justification. We want Trump's tax returns, including for several years before he was president. What do they want to do with them? Well, they want to get them so they can then leak them to the press so you can see if there's anything that's in the Trump tax returns that might be embarrassing to him. Maybe he doesn't have as much income as he's led people to believe. Maybe he's not giving money to charity in large amounts. That's what tripped up Joe Biden a number of years ago. Um, all those different things are are possible. Maybe he again he doesn't make as money as he said much money as he said he did. Maybe because of deductions and exemptions or whatever he hasn't paid as much. All these different things. But it, it's clear that there's not a legitimate government purpose for this. That it's really a, essentially a way of trying to see let's embarrass the president as we lead into the 2020 elections. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Over the weekend, uh, President Trump's personal attorney said they're never going to get these records. They're never going to get the records. Interestingly, even though the law says the IRS commissioner shall provide this information, there's no penalty for not providing it, and there's no time limit within, within which to provide it. I have said before, I wish the president would follow the precedent that every president since um, since uh, Gerald Ford, I believe, has followed, which is to make the tax returns public. I, I think I think that that's 
that's a better public policy way to do it. At the same time, the law doesn't require people who want to be the president to disclose their tax returns. And I don't think, I don't think that just because you're president and the Democrats control or the opposite party controls, you know, the House Ways and Means Committee, I don't think that you have a right to require somebody to give up their tax returns. I think this is purely political purposes. Um, 414-799-1620. And for people who say, well, you have to know if the president's a crook and you have to know are these tax returns going to shut information indicating that there's collusion or whatever, to that I say, if there's a legitimate law enforcement investigation, if Bob Mueller thought that these tax returns were relevant, he could have gone out and got them. I, maybe he did. I don't know. If the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York that's apparently investigating business enter- operations by President Trump before he was president, if they think there's a legitimate criminal investigation that's there, th- those law enforcement agencies, by jumping through certain hoops, they could get that information. That's very different, though, than having the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee say, I'm going to get these, and then we know that they're inevitably going to be leaked public. 414-799-1620. Gru is lining up the calls we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. We're back. So glad to have you with us. Let's start with Mike in Kalkana. Hi, Mike. Hi. How are you doing today? I am well, thank you, on a beautiful afternoon. What do you think about Trump and his tax returns? Should the um, should Congress be able to get them? Absolutely, should they should be able to get them. I totally agree, disagree with uh, what you said about it. It might be a little bit politics, but I'll tell you what. I want to know why he treats Putin with kid gloves. This guy... He's got some, he's hiding something, and I want to know where he's making his money and what what investments he's got. Uh, well, okay, I, I guess Mike, Mike, see, and I, I understand why people w- would want to know that or have their suspicions. But do you think that you have what if what about if you said, hey, hey, Jeff, I I want to see where you're making your money and what deductions you're taking? You're not do our you president. Th- no, I, I'm not. So, do you think the law should be if you run if you are if you're the president, you should have to turn over your tax returns? Absolutely, you can't be compromised. What you can? If, how about how about okay? In the FBI, if you were working for the FBI, they know they would know that you bought your taxes if you're compromised. Well, but but people Trump is compromised. Okay, but all right, but but here's the, here's the problem with that. Okay, it, it it's who makes that it's it's who ends up making that call. And and again, like I say, if there's if he's under investigation by the Southern District of New York or by Bob Mueller. All right, there there are provisions that allow law enforcement agencies who are conducting criminal investigations, if you believe that, if they believe that there's a basis for finding out, looking at the tax returns because it may be relevant. I used to do this in another life where it was, okay, we need to see this person's, you know, we're, you're conducting an investigation at tax fraud or you're conducting an investigation into drug dealing and, you know, you, you want to... You know, you want to say, okay, how much was reported and, you know, this is how much they spent. Like I say, there are provisions that the people responsible for enforcing the laws can can do, all right? But unless we're going to come down and, and pass a law, I think, that says that if, if you are the president, you have to disclose your tax returns. And that's not what this law says. It just says the House Ways and Means Committee can request tax returns from people. I mean, where do you draw the line? Do you have to, um, if you're... 
I don't know, if you're a senator, if you're a congressman, if you're a state senator, if you're the governor, do you have to, should you have to disclose your tax returns? How far do you carry that? Now, I understand there's people who think he's compromised and all that. And if there's a basis for it, well, then you can get his tax returns. But do I wish he would turn them over? Yes. But to me, this is what I would call it's it's weaponizing the IRS. It's what we're going to do. We want to see his information because we we want to see if we can embarrass him with this. You know, we want to see if there's foreign investments. So I guarantee you, it doesn't matter what's in there. You know that these things are going to be made public. And I guess the question becomes, should all tax information became public? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I... It, it, and to be honest, you know, when the president says, well, you know, I, I can't release the tax returns because I'm under audit, that's BS. There, there's nothing that says that he can't release them. As a matter of fact, my understanding is under the law, you know, every, the president's tax returns are audited every year. But it doesn't matter if you're under audit or not. You could choose to make them public. He's choosing not to. But doesn't he have a right to do it? And if you want to change the law to say that a president has to turn him over, oh, okay, that that's fine. It's just this backdoor way of going about it. I just don't think it's right. Jeff in Waukesha. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. How are you doing today? I am well, thank you, on a beautiful afternoon. What do you think? Oh, man, you're not lying. Hey, um, I think what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If they want to see his returns, I think everybody in the Senate... Everybody in the Congress, Nancy, I think all of them should have to make their returns public. Mm-hmm. That's only fair, right? Well, you would you would think. See, and that's what that's what scares me about this. Does the it, let's say you take it to the next step? Okay, now we want to see what Trump is hiding. Well, all right. Do you now we want to see? You know, we we don't uh, we don't like some of those guys that are gals that are at Fox News. We don't like their coverage. So you know, we we want to check out their tax returns. I mean, I just where where do you draw the line? And well, I just think tax return information is private. I I don't have anything to hide, Jeff. But it's nobody's business. <laughs> you know, it's between me and the government how much I pay in taxes. And I agree with you, Mr. Sykes. Okay. But if they're going to be persistent on a billionaire who's becoming president or people who make a hundred and some thousand dollars a year who are now millionaires, I yeah. I just, you know, if they, they can do what they want because they're in charge. But, you know, if you want to drag me through the mud, you better sweep in front of your own door first. You well, know what I mean? No, I, I, I do. I get what, again, it, it's just... I mean, if you want to change the law to say, okay, we're, we're not going to treat tax returns in this sort of special way that we have. I mean, this, I mean, look, one of the reasons you had some of these laws, it, it goes back to the Watergate era and it goes back to the Nixon administration where you had the Nixon enemies list and, you know, the use of, again, weaponizing the, the IRS. I think you had some of that that went on with the Obama administration where you had, you know, some of these conservative groups that ended up getting audited to determine whether they were legitimate 501c3. We talked about that, you know, when the whole thing happened. And I I just, whether it was Nixon and the enemies list or whether it was Barack Obama going after the IRS under Barack Obama, you know, going after conservative organizations and all, it's just that the IRS needs to be separate. And like I say, if... If there is evidence of criminal activity on the part of President Trump, 
with regard to his personal finances or whatever, fine. You have the IRS conduct a criminal investigation. Lord knows there's enough agencies that are out there, including agencies that are independent of the federal government, you know, looking at, at you know, Trump and looking at his business dealings. That, that's fine with me. And if they obtain the records by a normal and appropriate fashions and they decide to prosecute him, that's okay with me too. It, it is if there's evidence of a crime. I just don't like this idea of here – we're going to we want to find out what's in somebody's tax returns so we're going to demand them and then use them 4147991620 Ed in Wauwatosa Ed you're on WTMJ Hey how are we doing today I am well thank you 63 degrees in April doesn't get much better than that for me Yeah for all of us What so do you think my, my point my point would be that Congress passed a law way back with the teapot dome scandal specifically for examples like this where Congress, the leaders of the committees, can see the president's tax returns or other top officials. Or anybody's tax returns, actually. Yours or mine, too. Not the general public, but certainly those congressional leaders have have their right, and they need it specifically because back in the Teapot Dome scandal, there was concern that uh, leaders, uh, not that they were appointed at that point, were subject to undue influence from outside forces. And and that's why the law was passed. It's exactly parallel to what we see today. We suspect, and your previous callers have made the point, we suspect that there's that the president is treating people with kid gloves that normally we don't do that with. Mm-hmm. What's up with that? Well, I mean, I guess who who is the one that then could, if you believe that there's criminal activity, is, isn't that the role of, I don't know, so the... It may not be criminal. It may not. Com- it, it may completely be not criminal, but it would be could be influential, and that's the problem. Yeah, but 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 who makes that determination then? And is is that a justification? Because you know, you know, once this guy gets it, you know, these tax returns are going to be leaked out. You know, once the IRS gives it up, that genie's going to be out of the bottle. Do you agree with me on that premise? Not necessarily, because there are rules. There there, <laughs> there are fines and jail time. If they pass that information along, well, I, I guess Ed, I, I, I mean, in that particular case, with all due respect, my comment would be: be careful to duck your shoulder when you fall off the turnip truck, so you 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 don't hurt yourself. The minute the IRS commissioner turns these over, if he does, the minute I, my guess is it will be within five minutes before some of these tax returns will be delivered to, uh, again, the New York Times and the Washington Post, and then it'll be 10 more minutes before the stuff is going to be up. Remember what happened, what was it, a year and a half ago or so when they got a hold of at least just some of the return information from Trump back in 2007 or 2008, and and MSNBC, here, we're going to have the guy that got this, and his story was somebody had just dropped this stuff off in his mailbox or whatever. You, You know that there's going to be a massive leak. Now, look, I want to go back to where I started this conversation. It it would just be much simpler if the president did what he said he was going to do, and he released the tax return, his tax returns. My guess is the reason that he's not doing this is not because there's anything that leads to criminal stuff, but because there's something that might be 
I, again, embarrassing. Maybe he didn't make as many charitable donations as people think he should. Maybe his income isn't as great as it should be. I mean, there's all sorts of different reasons, including the fact that, you know, you, you don't think it's anybody's business to see where your money came from. To me, if you want to pass a law that says the President of the United States has to disclose his tax returns, I, I think that's the way to go about it. This is just a scary, to me, slippery slope because right now it's used – they're trying to use it against President Trump, and and maybe you don't like President Trump, and you think, oh, this this is this is great, I want to do that. But all right, what about when it's used against somebody else, or what about whether it's just used just willy nilly? You know, hey, we want to see the tax return information for you know everybody who's donated to this particular candidate on the left or on the right. You know, how far do you go? I don't know how this is all going to play out. Um, I, I think. Like I say, even though the law says the IRS commissioner shall disclose these, there's no penalty for not doing it, and there's no time frame to do it. So I I don't know how this is all going to play out, but it will, as we say, be interesting. When we come back, speaking of interesting, we'll find out what John McCure has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.